You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. Luke chapter 10. And while you're turning there, let's just kind of recap again. If you missed last Sunday, I'll go ahead and tell you. Uh, and if you weren't here last Sunday, please, please, please go back and revisit that. We shared what the Lord shared with us, what the word of this year was for our church. And I want to say this too. I, shared, I said this last year, and I think I said it the year before, and I want to make sure we say it again. Um, some of you, I, I hope many of you don't just listen to the word here. I hope you listen to other ministers as well. One of my favorite ministers is a, is a guy by the name of Joseph Prince. He's in Singapore, other side of the world. And as much as I love him, when I was a youth minister, what I used to do is I would wait until the new year, find out what he was saying the word was for that year, then I would go share it. And as I became a pastor, it dawned on me, you can't do that. You have to find out what is God telling you for the people that he's given you influence with. And so I said, okay, Lord, what's the word? And every year it's always different. One year the Lord gave me the word a month ahead. One year the Lord gave me the word two weeks ahead. This year the Lord gave me the word on the night of. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, Lord, we need to, uh, we need to work on this a little bit. Um, but it's always different. I never really can say I've gotten it this point every single year. And the word from the Lord for us this year was this was the year of reaping. And the story that he gave us came from John chapter four. If you remember and go back and listen to the message. But if you remember, Jesus said this, I am sending you out to reap where you have not labored. I'm sending you out to reap where you have not sown. And that is the word of the Lord for all of us this year. And then he added this to it for us uniquely was this. There are some of you who have sown into your family. You've sown into your friends, your co-workers. You've sown into a lot of areas. And it seemed like you haven't had a harvest yet. And the Lord said, I am watchful over every seed you sow. You will receive a harvest. If Isaac could sow in famine and receive a hundredfold return, how much more you? And so the, the word from the Lord, the word of the Lord for us this year was, this is a year of reaping. And better yet, reaping where you have not sown. So we're going to add to that this morning. And this morning, I'm actually going to share how to do that. Now, it's not a very complex thing. I believe um, whenever church becomes complex, Satan has had his hands somewhere. <laughs> Thank you for that thunderous amen. <laughs> amen. All right. I mean that whenever church becomes complex, Satan has had his hands somewhere. Paul said this to the church in Corinth. I pray that you would not be so easily removed from the gospel. But he said this from the simplicity that is in Christ. Satan wants to give you steps. Satan wants to give you things. He wants to give you five different targets to reach before next Sunday. And by the time you reach target number five, it's already Saturday and you forgot to do the one thing that Jesus said was most important. Are you with me? Satan is the one trying to complicate things. Jesus is saying, no, I want to keep it as simple as possible. Look at me. Just look at me and I'll take care of everything else. Look at me and everything will be fine. So at the end of the day, I want to keep it as simple as we can. And I had this whole elaborate message prepared for you. And the Lord said, I, I told my wife this, I felt just keep it simple. <laughs> keep it simple. So this morning, I'm going to share with you how to receive the harvest or how to reap the harvest that the Lord has for you this year. Are you ready? Now, we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 10 before I tell you the big secret. 
Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says this. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. Jesus has just called out the 12. Now, I know we always have this idea. How many disciples were there? There were 12, right? There were 12 disciples. Yes. But did you know there were also 70 others? All right. 70 others. And what happened to the other 70? In John chapter 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you have no life in you. And they said, what in the world is he talking about? (laughs) And they walked away. And the only ones that stayed were the 12. So Jesus didn't just have 12. He also had 70 others. So we pick up in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After these things, Jesus, I'm sorry, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Now, I wanted to use this verse last Sunday, but I didn't want to have too much. I I still think I had too much last Sunday, but I wanted to use this because to me, this plays into exactly what the Lord is saying. You will experience this year. All right. Now watch this. Verse two. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great. Say great. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Say few. The harvest is great. The laborers are few. And then what does he say? Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, watch this. God's supply for you this year far far exceeds your need. What God has for you is so much that Jesus is saying, pray that God sends someone else to reap the harvest with you. Are you with me? And I love verse one so much because verse one says this. He sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Now, when I saw that, I'm telling you, I saw it on um, New Year's night. I think it was like one o'clock in the morning. I saw this verse and I got so excited and I had to share it this Sunday. I had to because the Lord impressed on me. I am sending you where I am about to go. If you remember last Sunday, I told you your steps are ordered. Remember? I said, even when you think you've made a mistake, God is or he's ordaining your steps everywhere. You find yourself this year. God is intentionally putting you somewhere. Now, that doesn't mean if you know you're not supposed to be somewhere and you do something. No, we're not talking about that. All right? <laughs> but when you are relaxing, know this. God already knows where you're going to go. He's already ordained your path. And God has ordained everywhere you go. You are there on purpose because where you are going, God is coming right behind you. He's sending you first. Now, the beauty of that is this. As Jesus's return is imminent, what is he saying? I'm sending you out to reap the harvest before I come. I believe we are very close to Jesus coming back. Very, very close. But before he comes back, and I don't know if everyone caught this last Sunday because I said it very briefly. Joseph, in the story of Joseph in the coat, right? Joseph, I think, did you mention it earlier? Um, Joseph and his brothers. When Joseph was sold into slavery, the Bible says when he finally stood before Pharaoh, Pharaoh had a dream. And when he told Pharaoh his dream, he said this, Pharaoh, you will have seven years of plentiful harvest. In the Hebrew, an abundant harvest. Are you with me? You're going to have so much that you would be stupid to spend it all. After that seven years, you're going to have seven years of famine. During the seven years of famine, Joseph's brothers stood before him. Joseph unveiled himself to his brothers. They cried, they wept, and they were reunited. Now, Joseph is a type and shadow of who? Jesus. Before Jesus comes, there will be a full harvest, an abundant harvest. Then there will be seven years of famine, not seven years per se for us, but there will be a time of famine where the word of God is not heard everywhere. Are you with me? I honestly believe we're on the brink of that point because what some people call, well, we want, I'm, 
The grace of God. Amen. We won't talk about other people. Hallelujah. But my point is this. Before Jesus unveils himself to his brothers, the Jews, before they look up and say, whoa, he was the one. Before that happens, there will be seven years of harvest. Seven speaks of what? A fullness, a completion. There will be a complete, abundant harvest. And I believe we are in that time of abundant harvest. And God's harvest for you this year far exceeds anything you ever need. Aren't you happy? The problem isn't there's not enough. The problem is we don't receive enough. If, if I'm being honest, and I've said this before, I don't believe believers suffer for doing the wrong things. I believe we suffer for not receiving more. I'm serious. We suffer for not receiving more. Jesus and Pastor Samuel posted this on Facebook the other day. When, excuse me, when Jesus died on the cross, he unleashed a tidal wave of God's favor. I don't know if you've ever seen someone, you can look this up on YouTube. Have you ever seen someone running from a tidal wave? Have you ever seen it? It's not funny because they probably, <laughs> but have you ever seen someone run from a tidal wave? You just look at them and you're like, there is no hope. There is, I actually saw, when the Asian tsunami hit about eight or ten years ago, there's a picture of this guy, he was running from the wave and he realized there was no hope. So he just got on his knees, lifted his hands and the wave hit. Now it's a tragic moment that was called, it was tragic. But keep in mind, that's what Jesus did. He unleashed a tidal wave of God's favor on you. There's no hope of running. <laughs> there's no hope. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. God's favor is about to eclipse you. The harvest is so great, you're going to look around you and say, God, we need someone else to pull all of this favor because there's too much. Now, I can say this for me. I can say, and I, I'm not at liberty to share this morning. Hopefully, later on, soon, I can share from my own personal life some testimony. But I have seen God already as 2018 ended, even as 2019 began. The favor of God, the harvest that I'm reaping is insane. It's insane. And I'm telling you, it's almost to the point you just go, what can happen next? <laughs> and you look around the people around you and you're like, just receive more. <laughs> just receive more. It's not do more. It's just receive more. And in fact, this was the secret I was going to tell you. I'll just tell you now. The, the, the way you reap the harvest is the same way you receive God's favor. You just receive it. <laughs> I mean, I know that was deep, right? You just receive it. In 2019, God is saying, I have something that I want you to receive. Don't stop receiving. Don't stop receiving. Don't put your eyes on anything or anyone else. Just keep receiving. When you're at work, tell the Lord, I receive more of your favor, unmerited favor, your unearned, undeserved favor. When you're at home, I receive more of your unearned, undeserved favor. God knows we need more. And all the men said, there we go. <laughs> Just tell the Lord, I receive more. I receive more of your favor. And I'm telling you, that is how you will reap the harvest in 2019. You will not suffer because of what you've done. You will suffer because you haven't received more. Just keep receiving. Keep receiving. Because I'm telling you, there is a tidal wave of God's favor falling on you. Tidal wave of God's favor. And I love this verse so much. I want to show you one more time. I love this verse. The harvest truly is great. This is Jesus' words. The harvest is great. It's the laborers that are few. And I'm telling you, I say this as the pastor of the church. I say this. While I was meditating on this yesterday, even this morning, just getting ready for church, I felt like the Lord said, ask me to send more laborers here because here is a place where people are receiving more favor. This is a place where people are receiving more favor. This is a place where I hope you are receiving favor. And I hope when you walk out this door, the favor of God eclipses you every turn, every time, every step you take. That's my prayer for you. 
And I can tell you this, as the, as, as the head of this church, God's favor is hitting me left and right. And if it starts at the head, you can guarantee it's coming your way. <laughs> it is coming your way. I can't tell you every testimony yet, yet. But I'm telling you, God's favor is eclipsing me every single way. That said, do you have your three things you want the Lord to do this year? Oh, man, I hope you do. If you don't, oh, well, too bad. No, I'm just joking. We'll pray, at the end. we'll pray at the end. You have time to think if you don't. Now, let me say this, too. Do you know that Abraham, of all the people in the Bible, Abraham is an awesome example of someone under God's grace? Did you know that? Abraham lived before God ever gave the Ten Commandments. And while I was preparing for this sermon, I said, Lord, there's no real record of Abraham reaping a harvest. There's no record of it. But the Lord said, and I, and I heard this directly from the Lord. No one preached this. I didn't hear this from someone else. I heard this directly from the, from the Holy Spirit. I was studying and I heard this from him. He said this. Do you know that Abraham fulfilled his purpose? Did you know that? Abraham fulfilled his purpose. And when I heard that, I said, go back and look at Abraham's life. So I went back to Genesis and I looked through the life of Abraham. And if I'm being honest, Abraham didn't become a king. He didn't become a governor. He didn't uh, start a business. Abraham just lived his life. That's what he did. He lived his life. And I told him, as God is my witness, I was in my office and I said, Lord, what purpose did Abraham have? <laughs> what purpose? And I heard, and when the Lord gave me my answer, he said this, many of you, and please take it or leave it as the pastor, I'm going to say this. Many of you this year are going to begin to walk into your purpose. Many of you this year are going to begin to walk into your purpose. And the reason why I say that is this, because when I saw this, the Lord said, Abraham fulfilled his purpose. And I said, Lord, Abraham didn't become anything. He just kept receiving more. And the Lord said, exactly. Exactly. If you will just receive this year, receive more harvest, receive more favor, just keep reaping the harvest. You will be like Abraham who fulfilled his purpose. That by the time Abraham died, the Bible says his natural force, he was not weak. His eyes were not dim. He was well over 100 and had so many children. I mean, my God, his servant, his right hand servant said this out of his own mouth. God has blessed my master. He has given him everything. He lacks for nothing. I'm telling you, and I heard the Lord say this. If you will begin to reap the harvest this year, you will begin to walk into exactly what you're supposed to do. Just reap. Just reap. Oh man, I have so much I want to say, but we have so much, we have we have a couple places we need to go. Are you still with me? Let's keep going. Look at this in Luke chapter five. Now, again, what is the problem most of us have? Most of us is not what we do; it's what we don't do. It's what we don't receive. In fact, before we read this, can you can you repeat after me? Can we do that real quick? Do this. Say, I receive, I receive. your goodness, your goodness. In, my in my family. I receive. Your goodness in my job. I receive your goodness in my church. <laughs> and say one more time. Say, I receive your goodness in my body. Say, Lord, you are good. And your mercy, your grace endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Everywhere you are, just open your mouth and say, I receive more of your goodness. More of your goodness everywhere you are. Luke chapter 5. Now, I want to show you this cool story. Jesus has just preached a sermon. And now he's, he realizes, okay, there's so many people. I need to get into the boat so everyone can hear me. By the time he finishes his sermon, he looks at Peter. We come to verse 3. Luke chapter 5, verse 3. Then Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Now, Simon, what does Simon mean? Who knows? 
Simon, his name means what? Read. It speaks of someone who's blown by the wind. It speaks of uh, when this happens, you're blown this way. When that happens, you're blown this way. You're not stable like a rock. That's why when Jesus encountered him and he said, Peter, who do you say I am? He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are no longer a reed shaken by the wind. Now you are a rock firm. You'll no longer be moved by every problem that comes. Are you with me? So it's the revelation of Jesus that makes us firm and solid. All right. But anyways, his name has not yet been changed. So he's still a reed. Now watch this. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When Jesus had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, some of you probably have seen this before. I've shared it probably a year or two ago. But look what Jesus said. Let down your what? Is that singular or plural? Plural. Let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, now I love this. If you understand the Greek structure, and I'm, not, I'm no Greek scholar, but I have a, a couple good Greek books that explain this out very, very well. He could have said rabbi because Jesus was teaching. He probably had rabbinical uh, clothing on. So he could have said rabbi. At your word, I will, ca- I will throw down. But he didn't. He said master, right? which is a word that can cross reference to someone who is a master over other fishermen. So in a way, Jesus is here. He just finishes preaching. He says, Peter, cast down your nets for a catch. Peter says, OK, master. I'm the fisherman. <laughs> You're the teacher. But OK, I'll throw down my net. I'll entertain you. Right? Now, you know, what we were taught when we were younger. Partial obedience. God will never respond to. If you are only a little obedient, God won't respond. God wants 100 percent obedience. Wasn't that what we were taught? I mean, I don't know about you. I was taught that. Has anyone else heard that before? Anyone else? If you don't obey God 100%, God will not bless you. Right? God wants it all, brother. <laughs> he does want it all. He wants it all. But I want to show you the gracious side of our Savior. Are you ready? <laughs> Peter says, I'll let down the net. I'll entertain you. I'll halfway be obedient. Verse 6. And when they had done this, notice when they had done this, Jesus and Peter are the only one in the boat. Jesus and Simon are the only ones in the boat. He says, cast your nets. He says, I'll cast my net. Whatever he asks you to do, he will do it with you. He'll never ask you to do something and leave you on your own. So what does he say? Lay down your net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Ha! That's what you get. <laughs> you should have listened to me in the first place. Cast nets. You cast a net. So I'm going to make your net break. Are you with me? I'm going to make your net break. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) You want to be partially obedient? I'm going to show you how great my grace is. I'm going to show you how good I can be. And it's my goodness that will cause you to repent. It's my goodness that will cause you to change your mind and follow me the way you should have been. Are you with me? (laughs) And their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Now Simon is so worried. My net's breaking. He realizes we can't get it all. He starts calling for help. He starts, what did Jesus say in Luke chapter 10? Pray that God sends more people to help bring in the harvest. Are you with me? Pray God sends more. And then it says this, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. You got so much fish, your boat is starting to go down. Aren't you glad? 
Aren't you glad that God loves you so much that even when you're only, when you're partially obedient, He still is good. He is still good. My God, He is still good. <laughs> I'm telling you, grace is for people who haven't earned it, for people who haven't deserved it. It's unmerited favor. God is good. I'm telling you, God is good. And we don't struggle for not doing. We struggle for not believing. God is good. We struggle for not receiving his goodness. That's why I had you say that just a moment ago. I'm telling you, everywhere you are, stop whatever you're doing and just say, man, God, you are good. God, you are good. And I'm telling you, when you when you start seeing the opposite happen, just whatever you're doing, take a moment and just remind yourself, no, 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 no. You are better than this. You are better than this. I don't care what it looks like in front of me. You are better than this. You are better than this. And I don't care if the problem is my fault. Peter should have thrown out nets. <laughs> he threw out one net. His net broke. All right. His cup is not just running over. The cup is breaking. All right. <laughs> give me more cups. All right? Give me more nets. Oh, God, give me more boats. Oh, Father, send us more laborers to receive more of the harvest this year. Send more laborers to receive more of the harvest. And you know what it means? You know what that means? It doesn't mean, well, she's getting favor. I'm getting favor. God send more so they can get some favor too. It means what she gathers in, we're pulling it together. The favor just multiplies. I'm telling you, there's so much favor on you this year. You can't contain it all. And the more people God brings in to receive more, it's just going to continue to multiply in our lives. Is everyone with me? Oh, man, let's keep going. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man. He probably couldn't fall at Jesus' feet because the fish were everywhere. <laughs> so he falls at his knees and says, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What do we normally say? Repent and then God will be good. Jesus says, let me be good and repentance will come later. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. I love it. Oh, I love it. Now, can we look at 2 Kings real quick? I want to show you a story of someone who did not, almost like Peter, very much like us. When God does something, when God says, I want to give you more, he struggled with his capacity to receive more. Okay? And again, like I said earlier, the secret is this. How do you reap the harvest this year? Just keep receiving God's goodness. Just keep receiving God's goodness. The harvest is God's favor on you. The harvest is God's protection for you. I'm telling you, God's harvest is everything you will ever need. It's your health. It's your wealth. It's your prosperity. It's your increase. In fact, I, I want to be very careful because, again, I've been accused of this um, about two or three weeks ago. Matthew, you borderline the, uh, the prosperity gospel. And I said, if, if we get poor from coming to church, stop coming to church. <laughs> if I serve the Lord and I lose all my money, all right. <laughs> all right. I mean, come on. But I want to be very careful. But when I was preparing, again, when I was just preparing for this, when you pull a harvest, what do you do with it? If you're a farmer and you have a pl abundant harvest, you, you reap the harvest, you take it in, what do you do with what you don't eat? You sell it and you make money. money. <laughs> and I'm telling, oh man, I, I want to share what I, remember when I told you about Solomon? Man, I want to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm no wait. But I'm telling you, you sell it and you make money. And I'm going to heard the Lord say this. The harvest is going to change your finances. And I wanted to be careful, but I'm telling you, I don't care. I'm the pastor of this church. I can say it. God wants to give you wealth. And the harvest is going to impact your pockets. Your storehouses are going to be overflowing. 
storehouses, plural. If you have one, it will overflow. Get more. <laughs> Get more. I'm serious. God wants your storehouses to overflow. I mean, come on. I, I can say that because I'm the pastor of the church, and I, and I love you. I love you. I don't want you to lack for anything. Because when you lack, and people say, what church do you go to? You better not say this one. <laughs> right? But if you have an abundance, and they say, my God, every time you do something, everyone, we all notice it. What church do you go to? I go to Center Church, man. And I'll tell you, that pastor, he's a good-looking young man. And everyone said and father, everyone who didn't say it. Second Kings chapter 13. Are you with me? <laughs> Second Kings chapter 13. Now we're going to pick up in verse 16. I'm going to just give you the backstory real quick. Elisha. All right. Not Elijah. Elisha, his predecessor. Elisha. All right. His name, Eli. God is. Sha comes from Yeshua. God is Yeshua. Whose name is Yeshua? Jesus. God is Jesus. He's a picture of Jesus. A picture. Now, he comes in and he's about to die. The time of his life is coming to an end. And all of a sudden, the king calls for him and says, thank you for all that you've done. He praises him for a moment. So Elisha says this. Then he said to the king of Israel, he says this, open the east window, go grab a bow and some arrows. So the king comes. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it and Elisha put his hand on the hand, put his hands on the king's hands. Now watch this. Whenever God tells you to do something, he never leaves you on your own to do it. Whenever the Lord tells you to do something, he goes with you. If the Lord says, I want you to go over here and do this, it means he's already gone ahead of you. In fact, many times, and I, and I, I want to be careful, many times God will not say, go over here. In the Old Testament, when God told Noah to go into the ark, you know what he said? Come into the ark. I am going ahead of you. And the glory of the Lord is your rear guard. When you turn your back to the problem, God's glory is your rear guard. And everywhere you go, he has already gone ahead of you. Are you with me? So he says this, I want you to hold the bow, put your hands on it and pull it back. And as the king does it, Elisha puts his hands on his, showing what you're doing. You're doing in the strength of me. Isn't that beautiful? Now let's keep going. Verse 17. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians of Aphek till you have destroyed them. Now, what is the Lord saying? Hey, look, look, this is the word for you. Whatever is coming against you, know this. You will not fight them in your own strength. As you draw back the arrow, my hands are on yours. The power of God is behind you. You will end the problem. I will end the problem for you. Now, watch this. Verse 18. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them, the arrows that were left, he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. Now watch this. And the man of God was angry with him. <laughs> Why was he angry? And he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Now watch this. I want to bless you. I want to give you an abundance. But God gets angry when you stop receiving. Are you with me? Don't stop receiving. Don't stop receiving. What makes God angry is when you stop receiving. And you know what? This is an Old Testament story. Do you know that in Isaiah 54, God says this. 
now because of Isaiah 53, because of my servant who will come and will receive the fullness of your sin and the fullness of my judgment against your sin. Because of him in Isaiah 54, God says, now I swear to you, I will never be angry with you, nor will I ever rebuke you again. The mountains may be removed and the hills shall depart from you, but my covenant of peace will never be removed from you, says the Lord. (laughs) In the Old Testament, God was angry. Why did you stop? He's angry. In the New Testament, it's not he's angry anymore. Now he's grieved. How do we know that? Because Paul said this, grieve not the Holy Spirit. And the verse before says, let your conversation be full of grace. Let your conversation be full of grace. When something happens and you say, I hope that person gets what they have coming. When you're talking with someone and you say, don't worry, they'll get what they have coming. When you look at someone around you and you start talking all and you start law based, may they get what they deserve. That grieves the Holy Spirit. He's not angry, but he is grieved. And you can only be grieved by someone you love. It makes him sad when God has been so good to you. Why can you not be so good to them as well? Why can you not pray for them as well? What they did, they did in ignorance. They didn't do it against you because they don't like you. They did it because they saw how good I am to you. So be that much better to them. Thank you for that thunderous amen. (laughs) I hope I'm not stepping on anyone's toes. There we go. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, in the Old Testament, he was angry. Why did you stop receiving? Now, do you know that there's only one place in the New Testament where the Bible says Jesus was angry? Did you know that? There's only one place. Now, I know there's a place where Jesus went in with the whip. and He got everybody out the house. (laughs) But do you know that the Bible never says Jesus was angry? It quotes from the Old Testament, zeal for your house. But it never actually says Jesus was angry. There's only one place in the whole New Testament that actually says Jesus was angry. Would you like to see that place? Watch this. Mark chapter three, verse one. And Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Now, I love this story. Watch this. Then Jesus said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. Now, watch Jesus. Jesus says, come here. Can you come here real quick? Sorry, Joshua. We will edit that out. Joshua. What's up, man? Thank you, sir. (laughs) Jesus says, come forward. So the man comes. And in front of everyone, Jesus knows what everyone's thinking. Will he heal him on the Sabbath? Because if he heals him on the Sabbath, he's working. Aren't you glad his work is to save you? His work is to heal you. His work is to protect you. Will he work on the Sabbath? On the day of our rest, will he work? Aren't you glad when you rest, he works? So watch this. He says, come here. So the man comes and he looks around and says, is it lawful to save him on the Sabbath or to let him stay the way he is? I'm paraphrasing. Now I ask you, is it lawful? We know how the story ends, but is it lawful? And I'm asking you this, not knowing the end of the story. Is it lawful for Jesus to heal this man? No. But is it graceful for him to do it? Would he be good if he did it? And I'm telling you, 2019 is God's goodness. Forget the law. Forget it. (laughs) Let it go. Let what you have done wrong go. 
Let it go. Stop asking yourself, is this pleasing? Stop asking yourself, is this what I should be doing? Just trust that Jesus has eternally pushed you into a tidal wave of God's goodness. God's goodness is greater than his law. Because God's goodness is his heart for you. So what does he do? Thank you, sir. Hold on one second. So what does he do? I might still need you. (laughs) And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, What was the problem? Here this man is. Now the spotlight is on him. Because he's sick, the spotlight is on him. And Jesus says, can I heal him and it be lawful? And no one said a word. Why was he angry? Because there was a lack of grace. There was a lack of grace. We can reach up to the law, but we can't go beyond that, Jesus. And Jesus was angry. How dare you not have grace for this man? Thank you, sir. I thought I was going to use you more, but thank you. (laughs) What makes Jesus angry today is the lack of Grace. Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Oh, thank you for that thunder statement. Was he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Then what makes him angry? The lack of grace. Now let me bring this to a close, okay? Let me bring this to a close. I heard this the other day uh, before we read Hebrews 3. Someone was telling me a knock-knock joke, and I thought, wow, that is so awesome. And they said... True story, the man who created the knock-knock joke, all right, he should win the Nobel Prize. Now, I thought that was, uh, you'll get it. Let it settle. Christina told me, and he got it. Knock-knock, you don't ring the doorbell, the Nobel Prize. <laughs> and there it goes. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. These jokes are copyrighted too, by the way. If I find out, if I find out you shared my jokes. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. Now <laughs> watch this. The author of Hebrews says, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Now, real quick, if you read the book of Hebrews, and I'm not going to take up much more of your time. If you read the book of Hebrews... All right. For years, we thought sin just meant any sin. Sin just meant whatever we do that's wrong, whatever sin we do. If you study the book of Hebrews, you will find that the sin he's talking about is actually only one sin. And that one sin he's talking about is the sin of rejecting Jesus. Now, for the most part, and I think I know most of you in here, most of you have received Jesus. And we'll give an altar call in just a moment. All right. If you have received Jesus, then that sin no longer applies to you. Thank you again for that thunderous amen. Whatever he's talking about sin no longer applies to you. But you pick up in verse 14, we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Now, what is the confidence you are to hold on to? All right, watch this. While it is said, and he quotes from Psalm, I want to say 95, if I'm not mistaken. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who having heard rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now listen, as the word of the Lord goes forth this morning, do not harden your heart. There are some people who have hardened their hearts when they heard this, when they heard that God was good, when they heard that God was greater than the law, when they heard that God's heart would go beyond the law to save you. There are some people who harden their hearts, but don't harden your heart for this, all right? Who are the ones who did it before? Was it not everyone who came out of Egypt who was led by Moses? Verse 17, now with whom was he angry? Forty years. Wow. God was angry for how long? (laughs) Wow. Thought it was bad when she wouldn't talk to me for two days. Anyways, (laughs) was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? 
And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Obedience and believing are the same thing. Obedience and believing are the same thing. And we've said this a lot before. We're going to keep saying it until Jesus comes back. I'm telling you, even if you do the wrong thing, but you believe the right thing, God will bless you as if you did the right thing. Because Old Testament obedience is doing. New Testament obedience is believing. And when you believe the right thing, even when you fail, God will still bless you. Are you with me? So what does he say? They couldn't enter in. Why? Because of unbelief. So we keep going. Verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear. The only place in the Bible that he says to be afraid. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Now that, that, that threw me off for years. I used to read that verse and say, what gospel? The gospel wasn't preached to them. Jesus hadn't come yet. So what gospel was preached to them? And then I used to look at the types of Moses hitting the rock, uh, the water coming out, the manna coming from heaven, how uh, Moses stood on the mountain, on the hill, and he held his arms up, and Joshua was in the valley winning. We've touched on those before. And I thought maybe it was the pictures God was saying was the gospel, because all those pictures point to Jesus. And then one day, a light bulb went off, and I thought, what does gospel mean? Does anyone know what gospel means? <laughs> Good news, all right? <laughs> I know it's not as deep as I wanted it to be, but it's good news. For indeed, the good news was preached to us as well as to them. Now, what is the good news? This year, you will reap where you have not sown. This year, you will receive things that other people have been praying and fighting and struggling to get. God is going to give it to you. God is going to give it to you. Other people who are fighting for those things, God is going to give it to you. As you walk into those places, they're going to be handing things to you. And I am a witness to this, which is why I'm telling you from experience. It has been one of those types of years. I told my wife, this is a good 2019. <laughs> Only two, year, two weeks into it. I said, I know. Let's keep this thing going. <laughs> good way to start the year off. You're going to walk into things other people have been fighting for. They've been applying for. They've been struggling for. They've been asking for. And God is going to give it to you. So watch this. This is the good news. And they back then had good news preached to them. But what happened? But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Now, what's the point? What's the point? And we'll close with this. And, and let me show you what, what happened. Let me, let me show you this. In the Old Testament, the story he's talking about, they arrived at the, at, the, uh, at the promised land, at the Jordan River. And when they arrived at the Jordan River, they all went in. Remember that story? Twelve spies went in. One spy from each tribe. Twelve went in. When they came back, ten said, there are giants. We are grasshoppers in their sight and in our own. We can't go in because we'll all die. <laughs> we need to go back to Egypt, find, figure something else out, remember? And Joshua and Caleb jumped up and said, don't listen to them. They're fools. They didn't say that. Don't listen to them. Let's go in and let's take the land. If God delights in us, he will give it to us. And I'm here to tell you, God has delighted in you. God delights in you. God delights in you. Last Sunday I said, and I saw some of your faces in preparation for that message. The Lord said for some of you, what you're doing, and you haven't been able to figure out why, but you're crossing over from the wilderness. You're crossing over the Jordan. You're going into the promised land this year. You're going into the promised land this year. And that's why last week we looked at Joshua when they crossed. But the Lord said this, some of you are crossing over into the promised land. And the reason why it's been so rough and you haven't been able to understand is because that's what you've been going through. But the Lord said, I've watched over you and I carried you to this point. 
you are still on your two feet because of me. And so now I will take you across. Now I will take you across. But the secret to getting across is don't stop receiving his goodness. Don't stop receiving his goodness. And you know what the Bible says? I saw this for the first time. For the first time last night, I saw this. When the 10 spies gave the bad report, before Joshua and Caleb gave their report, the Bible says they gave a bad report and all the people wept that night. In other words, they heard a bad report and they never heard the good report till the next morning. The whole night they cried. The whole night they wept. The whole night they were angry at God, angry at Moses, angry at the leaders, angry at everyone else around them, angry about the situation. How could he bring us here when there's giants? How can this happen? How? And they had no clue what Joshua and Caleb were going to say the next day. No clue what the Lord wanted to do for them. I mean, I'm telling you, and you know, we, we can look at them and say, how could they be so stupid? Look what God did in Egypt. But if the truth was known and we were there, many of us would be in the same position. How could Moses bring us here? How could God let this happen to me? How can, how can, Lord, if you really were with me, Lord, if you really loved me, you would never, I I would never be in a situation. And all the while the Lord is going, I'm about to give you houses you've never built. I'm about to give you vineyards you didn't plant. I'm about to give you wells you didn't dig. I'm about to give you all the gold and the silver in this land. I'm telling you, this land is overflowing with milk and honey. There is a harvest that belongs to you. And they're crying, oh, God, how could you bring us here on this night? Oh, Lord. if he was with us, we should have went back. And the next day they say, let's go back. <laughs> let's find us a leader to go back. Let me show you this and I'll close. Watch this. Numbers 14. Joshua stands up and says, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey flows. The same word means abundance. There is an abundant harvest for you this year. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. For they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. I'm telling you, the Lord is with you this year. Do not fear them. Don't be afraid of anything you see this year. God is with you. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. I love this picture. Show you what God says and we'll close. I love this picture. They stand up and say, don't cry. Don't be afraid. If God delights in you, he'll give it to us. And all of a sudden they say, kill them. And as they're getting ready to stone them, God shows up. (laughs) And if you keep going, Moses gets on his face before Joshua and Caleb speak. Moses goes, oh God, no, 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 no. And God shows up and Joshua and Caleb jump up and say, hey, what are you doing? Watch this. Verse 11, and we'll close. Verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And we'll close with this. Refusing to receive God's goodness is a rejection of him. It's not a failure to remember. It's a rejection of him. When you say, why is all this happening against me? Why is all, oh, why? And you, and you get lost. And I'm not saying don't ever complain. We all complain. We're human beings. We make mistakes. I get it. I get it. But to refuse that God can be better than your situation is a rejection of him. I'm telling you, and, I, and I'm ending like this on purpose. I normally like to end on a happy note, a high note. Yay, praise God. But this week I thought, no, no, no. Let me, let me close with this. All right? Don't stop receiving his goodness. That is how you will reap the harvest. Don't stop receiving his goodness. I don't care how bad it looks. Do not stop receiving his goodness. Just tell yourself, you are better than this. You are better than this. 
Jesus did not die for me when I was good. Jesus died for me when I was ugly and at my very worst. That's when he died for me. He died for me then. That's how much he loves me. That's how much he loves you. I'm telling you, do not stop receiving his goodness. Do not stop. Can we do it one more time? Repeat after me. Lord, I receive your goodness in my body. I receive your goodness in my home. I receive your goodness in my family. I receive your unmerited, your abundant goodness in every aspect of my life. And I receive it right now. And 2019 will be a year of receiving, a year of reaping, a year of taking everything that you have for me, even the things that I have not worked for. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte@gmail.com, at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.